0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It's been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games that we can spend our hobby time and hobby dollars on. And it can lead to a serious case of not knowing what to play next. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast. It's to talk about the games that my guests and I enjoy playing, to talk about big industry events that are happening in the world of gaming, and to talk to some of the people who create these games. Now, if you've been following my Facebook page for Cast Dice, you will have seen that Because of the different lockdowns, because of work associated with that that we've had in Melbourne, I haven't been able to get as many games in as usual over the last year and a half, but that's common across the gaming world. However, when Melbourne has come out of its lockdowns, we have been able to do it without COVID because when we're not locked down, we typically have no COVID at all. So I've been able to play some games and the game that I have played more than any other by a country mile this year, has been Marvel Crisis Protocol. Now, I am a big Marvel fan from the 80s and 90s. I loved the comics as a kid, and I just love the, the cinematic feel of the game. And we've had people on in the past, and we've sort of talked about uh, some of the aspects of the game, both the mechanics and maybe how to build lists. And if you're looking for a, a really micro-level view of the most efficient units, Uh, and the best cards to take, this won't be that conversation. Today we're going to sort of pull back a little bit and look at Marvel Crisis Protocol, I guess as a scene, uh, both locally and internationally, and talk about um, how it works on the tabletop a little bit, and whether or not you really do need the most efficient thing in the universe to have a good time. Now, if I'm going to talk about a good time and tabletop games, I have Captain Fun on today. The man with the shortest shorts in the universe. Maybe the, the, I don't, could he be louder than me? Could he be more enthusiastic? Yes, he is. Nick Short Shorts Gentile. Captain Enthusiasm himself. Welcome back to Cast Dice.
1: Oh, what an intro, oh, thank you so much, Brad. What, mm-hmm. uh, I, I hope I can live up to those expectations, but <laughs> certainly I'm excited. Well, brother,
0: now, I have played a fair bit of MCP this year. I think I'm on game seven or eight at this point. But I know that you have put me to shame because during the lockdowns, you have, well, when we're not locked down, you've been playing uh, folks in person. But then when we are locked down, you have played a fair bit of this game on TTS, um, Tabletop Simulator. Now there are a ton of tabletop simulator leagues for this game. Nick, as someone who's played both, uh, how accurate a feel do you really get when you are playing this game online? Because a lot of people tell me, as someone who loves games and talks about it all the time, that when we are locked down or when we can't get a game, tabletop simulator is the next best thing. Now, is it? Or is it its own sort of cultural experience? Talk to us a little bit about how that works, man.
1: Well, to be honest, it's probably as good as you can get. It's probably next best to the real thing. Obviously, um, the real thing is, is the primo way to go about this. But mm. when you can't do that, um, it's pretty close. The mod, um, whoever works on the mod, a guy called um, Llama, has put in a lot of work into the mod and the community's put a lot of work into the mod. So, it's about as it's about as good as a port to a computer as you could get for the game. So, it is it's worth checking out if if you are in lockdown and can't get your own models on the table safely. Um definitely worthwhile. But and the the thing with Marvel in particular is it's actually saved the game. If you think about when Marvel released, it was right before COVID sort of swept the world and mm-hmm. I think without TTS the game probably would have died because without games to get excited about it's really difficult to buy and paint models unless you're that's all your hobby is is buying and painting models so I'm, I'm actually really as much as I prefer playing in person I'm really grateful that TTS has managed to build and grow and keep the community alive
0: Yeah. I mean, when I first started, I picked up the box and I started painting the models. But you're right. I hit about 10 models in and the terrain and I was really excited. And then there was just no games to play. And so my enthusiasm sort of died and I went, "Ooh, a goldfish and then went and painted something else. Um, But the second that I actually sat down with our buddy Lee Avery and yourself and we sat down and started playing, man, my enthusiasm for the game kicked off. And it is a fun game. Now, if you love comic books and you love uh, the MCU on both television and on the big screen, you know that when superheroes tussle, there is the aspect of, um, how should we say, things flying. There's, you know, buildings are crumbling, cars are being flung about, uh, people are getting trash cans thrown over them. Mm -hmm. It's pretty wild. And I think one of the greatest... Parts of this game, at least for me, and what really sells it is that everything on the tabletop is interactive. Um, You can interact with, be thrown into, have things thrown at you. Um, You can move things uh, in people's way, as in you're throwing a bus in someone's way. There's all kinds of ways that that impacts the game around you. And for me, I think that is one of the things that really sells the game Nick, again, I guess it comes back to when we're yelling "pew pew" and "raw Hulk smash." How does that work with TTS? Um, I, I, I guess the terrain is as interactive.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, TTS the the program lets you change elements on the table, and and the maps that they've created are really interactive. They're really well put together, and you just sort of same as you would in a game. You you pick them up, pick up the terrain, take it off the table, or you just delete it in TTS. Um, and there's heaps of interactive terrain on the tables. So They're really, it's really worth checking out. But I think the the thing to remember is that it's, the core of the game itself is so well put together that as long as you can get it on a table and play it, it's it's just such a well thought out, well put together, well constructed game that in any way that you can play it, it's it's gonna be fun and it's gonna be worthwhile.
0: Now, that sort of brings me to my next big question, and I guess is one of the big talking points for this episode. Now, with the growth of TTS um, and with a lot of tabletop simulator leagues happening, uh, and because the game is so well-written, and I don't lightly say that, uh, it can lead to a lot of over-analysis of both characters, their abilities, the costs of things. I know we've talked about uh, on the pa- on this podcast in the past about maybe on Bolt Action or other games where people really dig into the meta, just the microcosm of, is that worth every single point? And they try to put the most efficient things in your list to the point where some things that are deemed as maybe not as point efficient are seen as, trash and are thrown out. Now, you recently partook in the TTS League, and you actually did so well that you opted out uh, or you placed out of the Australian League, and you went into the the finals overall. But you were using a faction that was deemed by um, internet wisdom to be not good enough. Nick, can you talk to us your about your experiences with the X-Men? Why the X-Men, first of all? And then how did you sort of turn that wisdom on its ear? Because I've heard you talked about on quite a few of these um, more tactical Marvel Crisis Protocol-specific podcasts where people were sort of like, wow, we came out of nowhere. Like, uh, no one was expecting the X-Men to do this well. And then you did. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, clearly you're a great gamer. We've you're one of the original dwellers below, so you know your, you know you know your game systems. You know how to play. How did how did you take this? And do you think that that hyper efficiency is everything in this game?
1: No, I I, I think I really believe that they've done such a great job with this game that most things. Are viable and playable if you put in the time and work out how to maximize them. Because there's there's so many parts of a roster. Mm-hmm. There's the the half of the mission that you get to choose, there's the characters you put in the roster, and then there's your tactics cards and the combinations of points levels, etc. etc. That um and look, I I took X-Men because I just love X-Men. They're they're my favorite um They're my favorite set of Marvel characters. They're really the whole reason that I'm a nerd is because of that 90s X-Men show that got Mm -hmm. me into comic books, into fantasy, into sci-fi, all that sort of stuff. So um, I really think with this game in particular, although the talk on podcasts for the most part is about, um, you know, efficiency and competitive play and that sort of thing. Um, More so than any other game that I've played, I really think that as long as you put the work in to work out how your team functions and what you want them to do and what they're good at and what they struggle at, um, I think more so than anything, this game allows you to do that. So if you like Guardians of the Galaxy, play Guardians of the Galaxy, you'll be able to make them work. If you like Web Warriors, if you like Spider-Foes, if you whatever it is, as, within reason, right? So Spider-Foes until recently only had about three or four models yeah, and they were missing a few pieces. But any of the factions that have been out a little while and have got, say, five characters as a rough number, mm-hmm. if you've got five, I think you can make any affiliation really work.
0: Yeah, and I mean, one of the things that when the X-Men first came out, because they were dropped at the same time as the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, they only had four characters. You had Storm, Cyclops, Beast, and Wolverine. And everyone said, okay, well, where are the rest of the X-Men? Well, they're coming. We know that Colossus is in the pipe, and Jean Grey is just dropped in most of the world. So we we are getting more X-Men by the day. But when they first came out with the four those four characters, I know that I got them for Christmas, I was really excited, I put them together, I primed my models, and the very next thing I saw on the internet, literally, while I was waiting for the rain to stop so I could prime them, was, oh, the X-Men are trash, and like everyone was going, yeah, they're terrible, they're not very good, and honestly, that, I'll be, that, that killed my enthusiasm for them, and it was a shame, because my wife gave them to me, I was very excited about them, I loved the 80s X-Men comic, but... <clears throat> I know better than to listen to internet trolls and internet wisdom. And yet uh, I still had my enthusiasm stepped on a bit and I went on and, and painted some other things instead. Now I'm going back and giving them a red hot go because I'm loving the models themselves. They're gorgeous. And um, after I started painting them, I saw that you were kicking ass with them, frankly, and thought, wow, maybe they're not that bad. Nick, With this game, you've come from a game like Malifaux is one of the other games you've played, where in this like that, when you sit down with your opponent to come up with your mission, you both play a series of cards that you bring to the table. So you have some sort of say in what might be played in the first place. But then Mm -hmm. after those are figured out, you actually then make your list out of a roster of 10 characters. So you don't even know how large a game you're playing until well after you've started, right?
1: That's right, that's right. So, so you'll do half the mission each, essentially, the you know the, the way that works, you can just find the rule book online, but it's essentially there's an extract objective and a secure objective, and, and one player chooses one, and one player chooses the other. Um, and so you have a little bit con- of control in knowing that you'll be playing one of those points levels. So, And if you have priority, you know that you will be choosing the points level. So there's a little bit of control around that with the roster. So you have a plan for when you have priority, and then really you want to have a, a good plan for when you don't have priority. And, and this comes down to solid roster construction. is You just want to make sure that you can l- cover all the points levels, 14, 15, 16, 17. 18, 19, and 20, and as long as you've got a plan for every points level, um, then or, or your roster combination is possible for every points level, you should be pretty set. Um, you don't; it, it, it's a lot less complicated than it sounds. Just make sure that out of your 10 characters, you can put some on the board that equal each points level. And if you want to use a particular affiliation, let's say X Men, then you know that at 17, you need to take these three X Men plus two characters worth X amount to to make it 17, if that makes sense.
0: Exactly. Um, The way I usually do it is I have 10 characters. I usually have one two-point character. I have a handful of three-point characters, a handful of four-point characters, and then maybe a couple of five-point characters. And then I have the ability to then pull from that list when I'm making... um, the, the, the roster, or I guess the the list I'm actually putting on the table. Um, mm-hmm. As long as, that, as you say, you have the combinations to add up to all the different point levels that you might end up playing on the tabletop. Again, it's not as complicated, I think, as we're making it sound. Um, I just happen to have a spread of cheap to expensive characters in my list that depending on what I'm playing, I pull out. Now, for me, I, I'm, I mean, I am famously bad at this game. Um, I love playing... Uh, I, and out of, I think, the seven or eight games, well, I've only ever won once. Um, I've tied yeah. a couple of times, and I'm usually very close, within a couple of points of winning each time. So I, it's not like I'm getting blown out, although that has happened once, thanks, Lee. Um, yeah. <laughs> Black Order, <clears throat> Thanos.
1: They'll do that. Yeah, they do that.
0: Uh, well, they do that the first time you see them in particular. Uh, but for me... I guess it's not necessarily having like the, your perfect strats figured out for every single your your perfect strategies figured out for every single mission that might occur, um, because I'm not to that meta level yet. But I know the characters that are in my roster and I know what they generally do so that I know that I can pull out certain characters that work well together and I, ha- I get nice, warm, fuzzy feelings um, when you know certain characters interact. Or I know, for example, that I can use Black Widow to run over there and grab an objective. And meanwhile, Iron Man can go sit on another objective that isn't moving, and then his armor will protect him, for example. So I think the game works really well in that regard, too. Um, Nick, would you agree? I mean, I know that you're sort of playing at a quote-unquote level above me, but for us filthy casuals, as long as you generally know what your guys are doing, and you can see how the table works, and you generally know your way around a war game, I think you should be usually pretty good.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's really true. I think knowing what your characters do is probably sixty to seventy percent of being, you know, successful. However, you want to define that, yeah. but let's say giving you a, a good chance to win most games. Um, just knowing what your core characters do um is is most of the battle like for example i was playing in my last swiss game um which is the round robin in the australian group before you go out to the um to the finals and um people have immediately dismissed cyclops as being bad but i i really rate him and i really he's one of my favorite x men so i'm just always going to put him on the table and i had one turn with cyclops where I, he managed to get a lot of power like he had a couple of lucky attacks which gave him a ton of power and in that turn he you know he damaged um the opponents of Koye. and then he repositioned two or three of my own models with you know with his leadership abilities and that sort of thing and, um people that were watching that game online were like oh i can't believe what cyclops did just did how does he even do that and it's like well because i know him so well because i play him so often i know that he has this ability and this ability and this ability And, um, and that one in particular was one called field leader that it's like, well, once you know what your characters do, you can then focus on the mission and see what's going to be most appropriate for them to do at the time. And, you know, I, I get lots of really good value out of Cyclops where most people probably looked at his card and dismissed him and Mm -hmm. have never looked at it since and actually put him on the table. Exactly. Which,
0: which means that you might have a little tiny bit of an advantage because people, when they face you go, I actually don't
1: know what he does. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that's true of most characters in this game. Some of them, like, say, Rocket Raccoon, are relatively simple um, because, you know, he's a two-pointer and, and most two-pointers don't do a whole... They do one thing really well, exactly. essentially, which is in the game. Um, and complexity of characters and, and the sheer amount of characters means that if you get to know your core 10 really well, you're, you're going to be able to have you know, be well in and win a lot of your games um, while having a great time doing it. Exactly. More so than, than if you're chasing what is deemed the, the best stuff out of kind of conventional meta wisdom.
0: Yeah, and I think another part of that, and I think a lot of us come from other game systems, have these understanding that in order to have the, a great list, you need to, you know, curb stomp your opponent and like really like have a killy list. And while that's the case in a lot of war games, I mean, it's in the title, right? War games, it's a battle. Marvel is genius in, as you say, every time you play, there are two sets of objectives. So there's two separate ways to win. And Mm. neither one of them usually involves taking enemy models off the tabletop. There are different objectives that you need to either capture or you need to grab and then move around and then maneuver the tabletop while trying to prevent your opponent from achieving their objectives. So in that way, it's a really interesting dynamic game and it, it really leads to the replayability of it because you're not just lining up across from one another and punching each other. There's there's different ways to win and part of the 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 charm of it is how many characters have abilities that either move your own models closer to objectives or allow you to pass objectives between them or to push or throw people off of objectives or to stop people from being able to grab things. And so it really does lead to a little bit of a chess match of, okay, I'm gonna try and block them of here. There's a lot of tactics, I guess is what I'm saying. But again, in order to do that, you need to know what your guys do so you can know to push your guys in the right direction or pull them or push them in the other direction. Nick, am I explaining that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So so the the two objectives, broadly speaking, are secures where you're gonna stand and extracts what you're gonna grab and run away with. Exactly. And and it's and it's different combinations and different special rules that get applied to each of those missions as well that then change the 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 dynamic of the game and i mean once you're once you're practiced with roster construction you can actually then select those to your advantage so you know if you've got a team that struggles with generating power then you can choose objectives that help you generate power. Mm -hmm. Um and you know that you're gonna play them half the time. And you can choose points levels that are better for you. And also there's there's so many layers of strategy with this game that allow you to really that what you read on the character cards is so so basic in terms of Mm -hmm. how you actually get value out of them. It's really only the first step. You've got the the layer of the missions, the layer of the tactics cards, the layer of their combinations with other characters both in and out of their affiliation. And there's so many different layers that just reading the character cards and saying this is good, this is bad, is you're really not getting the full picture by a long, long shot.
0: Agreed. And I'm glad you brought up powering up a second ago because I think that's that's another thing that, that folks don't always consider and why having maybe a killy, punchy list isn't always a great thing in this game. Because if you hit someone um, – the, the way character cards generally work, if you haven't played the game, every character has a card, and they have a profile on both sides of that card. So you have them healthy side face up, and when they take enough damage, they get knocked down, and the next turn, they lose all of their damage, but their card flips over to the damage side, and then they're hurt. And so sometimes that means they have slightly different abilities, or their their statistics sometimes change a little bit, or the characteristics. But every time someone takes a point of damage, they gain a point of power. So you are actually giving people the ability to power themselves up, and people's superpowers only work if they have enough power to power them. So um, if you, and I had this happen the other day where I punched Groot out, Um, I, I teamed up on Groot and knocked him out early in the game, Uh, And then the very next turn, he stood back up, and boy, did I regret it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Because I had a lot of characters standing around him that had knocked him down, and then he punished me for it. So uh, you need to be aware of that when you're playing. Sure, you can dish out the damage, but in doing so, you are going to be powering up your opponent for the kickback.
1: And and that's one of the magic parts of the game is, It's really, there's a couple of characters, but really not many at all, that can um, alpha strike. Most of the time, you're Mm -hmm. going to get to use your favorite characters because they they don't die, unless it's Hulk or She-Hulk, they're not going to die in one turn. And so I I think that's part of the magic of the game is that real ability that, yeah, okay, you took out my character this turn, but now it's going to hit you back and it's got full power, so it's going to hit you real hard.
0: Yeah, or they're going to have the superpowers powered up so they can zip away from you grabbing an objective something on the way depending on who they are and yeah i I think and that i think plays into uh something that you mentioned or alluded to earlier the game development game developers for this game really put a lot of time and effort in to make each and every character feel like the character so if you Mm. love spider-man You're going to get a Spider-Man-like experience, depending on which Spider-Man you're putting on the tabletop. Captain America, you would expect, for example, this is a better example, to be be really durable, to be tough. He's going to stand behind his shield. He's going to try and defend his teammates. And he's going to throw that shield. And at some point, it's going to ricochet off, hit a couple of people, and then come back to him. And that's exactly Mm -hmm. what his profile does. And it isn't just him. It's everyone in the game. I have yet to find a character that doesn't feel right. Have you had the same experience, Nick?
1: Yeah, I I would agree wholeheartedly that I have yet to, excuse me, I've yet to put a character on the table and have them not capture the essence, particularly the characters I know well, not capture the essence of who that character is in, in the movies or the comic books and get it right. I think they've done such a great job with that and really being able to to translate that to the to the game.
0: Definitely. And I, I think I've heard a couple of times, and I've one of the big criticisms I've heard of this game is that it's really expensive. And the you get 10 characters in the core set, which, which is a very good deal compared to the price of the other characters out, but that the core set characters maybe aren't as powerful as the other characters that have come out since. And I don't know if I agree with that. Now, albeit I'm not at the cutting edge of competitive gaming, but I use Captain Marvel quite a lot, Captain America, the Red Skull. They are all very powerful if you have the right group of characters around them. Um, And I think Mm. it's cool because those core set characters, when they first came out, again, like you said, they may not have had the full affiliation, like had enough characters to be proper, like I have a well-rounded Avengers roster or a well-rounded villains roster. So as a couple of other things have come out since then, all of a sudden those characters have sort of come into their own.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's two things with the core set, which I think, I don't think the game designers have explicitly said this, but, but it seems to be the common wisdom is one, that's right, they haven't had all the pieces because as more things come out, you know, they they fulfil certain roles better, which take the pressure off corset characters. Mm -hmm. But also, I think they were intentionally more simple as characters. to Because they know that the corset is going to be the intro level for most people. So jumping in, playing a few games with the corset, there's not a whole lot of brain power into what these models do, which I think is genius because... It, it allows you to step into the game, get the core cool mechanics, you know, down before then adding more and more complexity. I think if you if you had a character like, say, Enchantress, who has a ton of abilities and a ton of mm-hmm. things to do, I think you would be quickly frustrated as a new player. And so being introduced with Captain America, Red Skull, Captain Marvel, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and then allowing that to be your jumping off point, I think is a really great design space and and they've done a really good job with that.
0: Yeah, and as someone who has played a fair bit at this point, um, I still take a lot of the core set characters. I think you're absolutely right there because they are relatively simple and because I know how they work. I have Mm -hmm. my Captain America. I have my Iron Man. I have my... Um, corset Black Widow that I put in a lot of my Avengers rosters, A, because I love those characters and I read the comics as a kid, but also B, I've run them so many times now. I know how they work. And so that if I want to bring in a Thor or I want to bring in Black Panther, or I want to bring in, you know, someone who has a wall of text. I don't know, Magneto. I know he's not an X-Men, but you know what I mean, A an Avenger. Yeah, know. You know what I mean. He's got a he's got a card that unsurprisingly has a lot of words on it because. As you would imagine, someone who's the master of magnetism, there's there's gonna be some rules there. Mm-hmm. It allows me to focus on the cards that I don't know because I, I already have the other ones down pat. Now, sure, you had enough muscle memory with anything, it helps. But as you say, when you're learning the game, and you know, maybe I'm intermediate, I think that, you know, those characters are invaluable.
1: And and the thing is that. It's okay that they're a bit simpler than the other characters because we've already seen it with Black Widow um, and we've seen it with Spider-Man now that if the, there's full intention for AMG to go back and make more complex different versions of those characters, right. that if you know if Spider-Man or Black Widow is your absolute favorite and they or Iron Man, for example, mm-hmm. is your absolute favorite and they're a little bit simple and not quite as good as you would hope. There's no doubt, AMG are aware of this, and there's no doubt that a Mark 12 armor Iron Man is in the works. Like, I just have no question that that is the case, and that there, there's going to be another Captain America. Although Captain America is still quite good for what he does, mm-hmm. but I'm no doubt there's a Captain America holding Mjolnir in the works, or mm-hmm. any other iteration of Captain America. It's definitely. On the way. You mean so, besides
0: the the new Sam version, um, where we have Falcon Cap, who is that's right coming yeah. out with War Machine. Yeah, I can't wait for.
1: No, that, I mean, um, I mean, like a Steve Rogers. No, right? know, there, yeah. There's definitely there'll be a second Steve Rogers in the works. Every character they're going to do multiple iterations of because there's so many people that love these characters and then want to make them work.
0: That's right, and a lot of the I remember when the game first came out one of the common criticisms that people had was, well, my favorite characters aren't there. I'll wait till later. Well, they've been, uh, albeit in 2021, there's been a little world COVID slowdown with production in some places. So distribution uh, distribution aside, and they're working on that, the amount of characters that they've put out since this game is launched is astonishing. It seemed like it was dripping out to start with, but my God, what are we up to? 67 characters now?
1: Yeah, it's something crazy. And they've just announced, like, I think five or ten new ones mm-hmm. in the last week. Or so. That's right.
0: We have Blade, yeah. Moon Knight. Oh, God, I can't Then even...
1: also Doctor Strange, the new Doctor Strange. Oh, of course. Dormammu. Well, mm-hmm. It's nuts.
0: That's right. And with Dormammu being such a huge model... Now, I, I I was never a Doctor Strange reader. I didn't read The Defenders. Uh, I was more of a X-Men, Avengers, Captain America, West Coast Avengers kind of guy, Iron Man. For me, I was like, well, you know, that's okay. But when you look at the size of that model, my first thought was Sentinel, and they said it's coming. So I want a Sentinel on the tabletop, and that's all I want, boys and girls. Give it to me. Give me a...
1: I've seen... Um... I've seen rumors of an ultimate encounter involving Sentinels. Really? So I think, I think they're on the way. Yeah. I, I, I think there's no question that they're on the way.
0: Now, ultimate encounters are one of those things that do not get talked about very much in this game, because so many people are talking about TTS leagues or, you know, competitive play, but they are a legit alternative way to play this game. Now in the COVID era, I can understand why it would be a little more rare, Because ultimate encounters are they're sort of the story mode where it's the players play cooperatively together against like a super foe, be it Ultron, be it the Hulk, be it Thanos, um, or in this case a Sentinel or two. Um, That is really cool. Nick, have you had a chance to play any of that yet? I know
1: um i've played the vibranium heist one which is super fun um we've tried out the ultron one we've tried the hulk one they're really fun really really fun nice. they're they- definitely worth, worth an afternoon and worth investigating for sure
0: oh, i can't wait i definitely want to play one of those soon i was hoping uh, that we would have done that um because we had some folks coming over to the house to play and then lockdown so i was like yeah oh well Well Nick, I I did say earlier that you've been playing online quite a bit, but you've also been playing people quite a bit. And while I have a group of folks that I've been playing this game with, uh, and you are one of them, mine are all people I knew before who have started playing this game. You've actually gone out into the greater community, so to speak, uh, and you've been playing MCP in stores and in events. What is your general feel of the Marvel Crisis Protocol scene in person?
1: So I I can only really speak about our little local scene, um, which is General Games in Malvern. They've been running, uh, you know, a one-day tournament or story event or whatever each month. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, it's really casual and really welcoming. Um, And it's actually quite high we say high level that's a bit wanky but it's actually quite competitive in terms of the quality of player given Mm -hmm. that um both josh and i josh went six and oh in the league and and was the other finalist out of australia so we both um have come out of that little scene and i it's not like we're playing other people that are sort of um easy easy wins for us everyone there is actually quite good at the game Mm -hmm. but the atmosphere couldn't be more chilled out and more welcoming. No one, you know, there is all this high, there's talk around the, the TTS leagues about high-level play and meta stuff, but really at general games on our um, our monthly tournaments, people just take the stuff that they want to have fun with. And it, it couldn't be a more welcoming, um, more friendly atmosphere. It's so well run by Greg and um, and Bill who, who put on the show. And it's just, if you're considering... If you're worried about coming down and, and getting curb stomped um, because everyone there is sort of competitive, it couldn't be further from the truth. Everyone, even the, you know, what we would say, the the really hyper-competitive players are really welcoming and, and will help you through the game for sure.
0: Yeah, that's what I've heard about the scene in a couple of places in the U.S. and one place in the U.K. as well. It's that people enjoy the game. Again, it's a well-written game, so people are able to really I sort of dig into how it works, but it is very cleanly written. There is an order of operations. It's rarely confusing. And if there is something confusing, Atomic Mass Games is really quick to answer that and to fix it. And if something's unbalanced, they pull it or they tweak it in real time so that we are able to have a well-rounded gaming experience. And so, when people sit down to play one another, I think it is why people are trying to dig into that efficiency as much as possible. Because it's so clean, they're trying to get that little advantage, maybe because they've come from game systems that aren't nearly as balanced. Um, But I don't think that leads to, as you say, that, that attitude where you're trying to get one over on someone, People are just looking for a good game. They want a challenge, but they don't want it at the expense of a good time, right?
1: Mm, that, and that's exactly what I would think is that that describes the scene that I've experienced perfectly. It's about getting the most out of your characters, but the game is so well put together and so well. It's not like a GW game who, you know, they've they done a lot of good things. They they were mm. the scene for 40 years right but it's not like a GW game where you you look at the army book and you go this is clearly the best combination yeah. and it's just going to win 9 out of 10 games unless you have this other thing that's the best combination it's not how this game works um and i feel that star wars legion at the moment is heading in that sort of direction mm-hmm. where there is some clear imbalance but that at this stage amg have seemed to be able to keep on top of that and and keep it really well balanced, even with, you know, the best part of, you know, a hundred characters on the on the roster.
0: God, are they up to a <laughs> hundred? Oh, not
1: far away, not yeah, far no, away. Yeah, no,
0: exactly. Um, and I was thinking about this last night. There are almost any character that you have seen on a television or a, a big screen... I guess, no, there's quite a few that haven't shown up yet, but there are a lot that have shown up. And because they're based on the comics, we're getting to see versions of characters, or in some cases, characters that have never seen a screen. Viper, Sin, um, I would say Taskmaster, but of course he just showed up in uh, Black Widow. But there are a so- Moon Knight, which, of course, is being turned into a series. She-Hulk, which is being turned into a series. It's all the Marvel big ones, uh, big characters and small uh, that we're getting. And they are just great. Uh, Nick, are there any models either that are coming out or that um, they've announced or that you've heard hints of that you are most excited about, you as an X-Men player in particular or just in general?
1: Well I'm I'm super excited for Colossus he's been announced mm-hmm. but the ones on my list are like the the ones everyone wants Rogue mm-hmm. Gambit Nightcrawler um, Jubilee would be really fun to paint like yeah. really um, and then I'm I'm such a big Marvel nerd like more Spider-People more you know more Avengers more anything really yeah I um, I just love it all
0: Is it bad that I want uh, Spider-Ham? Oh
1: no, not at all. That's I, but, yeah. I, I do have to say, probably the, the one spider person I want the most is Iron Spider. You know, Spider Man mm-hmm. with the oh that Iron Man costume. Oh, that would that would just hit me.
0: <laughs> yeah, man, it's cool. Now, one of the things that um, another criticism of the game that popped up when it first showed up was that there are no minions in this game. It's all named characters. You don't have a wall of AIM agents or Hydra buddies, or S.H.I.E.L.D. agents floating around, it's, you. everyone's a named character, everyone can do their thing, and so it it means that you you can't relive all of your favorite uh, comic moments, Uh, but with the introduction of Hydra Bob and the Deadpool Boggs, and maybe Rocket, and Toad, and some of the other cheaper characters that appear on the tabletop, we're starting to see the ability for people to quote-unquote flood the board with low-point characters because up until recently, there weren't enough cheap characters to necessarily do that. Nick, do you think this drastically changes the way the game plays? Um, I'm really excited to field a Winter Soldier, Punisher, Rocket Raccoon, um, Agent Widow, Uh, all the characters that have like the cheap guns, because I just want to run around screaming pew-pew at people um, because they're some of my favorite characters. Nick, do you think that's going to mess up the game dynamics? It seems to still be balanced, but you've played more than I have.
1: I think... I think it's an, an area that's only just starting to be explored with the new Captain America dropping mm-hmm. and the, the width of the Avengers roster um, that and they're calling it at the moment Sam spam, but really essentially it's it's building squads that are a minimum of five and up to seven wide. and I think I, and I think that has strengths and weaknesses, right and like everything in this game so far, um, I think they've done a really good job of, of making that possible without it um, unbalancing the game. I will say this for um, unnamed general plebs in that we have the highest threat we've seen is nine on Thanos with particular combinations of gems, right? But the lowest we've seen is threat two. So why are there no threat one characters? It just seems bizarre to me Mm -hmm. that threat one has been unexplored. And I think... I wouldn't be surprised if at some point um, there are generic S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, generic AIM agents, generic HYDRA agents that are just bodies on the table that come in at, at threat one. I, like, I think that's such an unexplored space to this point that I, I can't see them missing that opportunity, particularly if we look at where the MCU's going, Um, with swords starting to become Mm -hmm. more prevalent in their stories. Like I just, I think I'd I'd be very surprised if they don't get to the point where they've got generic dudes that you can add to your squad
0: or scrolls. I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, seek, or is it this, is that what they're calling secret wars? The new TV series that's coming. Um, is that the scroll wars?
1: Could be. be, Yeah. Mm. Nice. Well, uh,
0: Nick, I know you are in a bit of a hurry, and I know that um, our time is short, but before we go, is there any comic or movie element or, uh, I don't know, something from that we haven't seen that you would love to see? And I'm going to talk a little bit about that first and give you time to think. My favorite Mm. run of Iron Man comics as a kid was the Armor Wars, where Tony Stark found out that uh, someone had infiltrated his uh, computer and had stolen some of his technology over time, and now supervillains were using it. Uh, villains like the Beetle and Crimson Dynamo and some of the other uh, you know, armored suit-wearing villains in the Marvel Universe were using Iron Man's technology to hurt people. Now, that's coming as... Um, one of the upcoming TV series in 2022 I believe uh, on Disney plus with Rody hunting down tony's rogue tech I cannot wait for that TV series first of all but I'm hoping that we see uh, an encounter using some of those elements and I'm hoping that we see more armored villains so that we can play that out I got that ooh ooh I want it that's what I want Nick, yeah. how about you?
1: I Um, my views are, are a bit simpler in that I, am um, there's just a whole heap of characters that I just want to see on the table. Probably in, in a similar vein to yours, um, I would love to see enough Iron Men to come out that mm-hmm. you could have a Tony Stark come out with a leadership called house party protocol. Yes. Um, and, and it breaks the rules of um, only one character with the same alter ego because mm-hmm. they would all be Tony Stark's, right? But it represents him having empty suits. And I think just an Iron Man squad would be so fun to put on the table and just have all these like Hulkbuster Iron Man and General Iron Man and whatever, you know, all the different mm-hmm. marks. Um, I think that would be a really fun affiliation to put on the table, fun to paint, fun to see. I just think
0: it'd be amazing. It would. And the way the way the game's rules work, I think you would be able to really do something with that because, for example, you can have the stealth armor, which would be faster and wouldn't have as many guns, but would be able to avoid people's shooting um, because they already have the stealth rule, for example, um, mm. in the game. So if you gave an Iron Man that and took away some of his guns and maybe made him faster, he could be a great objective grabber, you know, grab and go, uh, meanwhile, Hulkbuster would be waiting up the middle of the table, trying to slug it out with Black Dwarf, for example. Yeah, that would be so cool.
1: And I, I you know, and then there's other things like you know all the stuff from the, the comic books is when I was a kid, and really my heyday of comics is things like being able to do the onslaught saga, it, as corny as it is, mm-hmm. the clone saga from Spider-Man, having you know mm-hmm. Ben Riley be a Spider-Man joining Web Warriors, all that sort of stuff. I'd I'd love.
0: Yeah, man, absolutely. I would love to see the Marauders from uh, the Mutant Massacre and uh, the Serpent Society from Captain America. God, yeah. yeah. Or, heaven forbid, just give me a West Coast Avengers affiliation card. I have, yeah. you know, I get it. I could just run them as the Avengers, but Cap wasn't technically part of that squad till the end, and Hawkeye yeah. let it. I would love to see for this game. Um, Just a little card pack where you got existing characters like Hawkeye running the West Coast Avengers or can't think of some of the other um, characters who have led teams who don't have the leadership abilities at the moment. And just give us a chance to use existing characters in different ways. I think it'd be cool.
1: I I think my guess is that we're going to see a second Hawkeye with the release of his T V show. Yeah. Um and see a Kate Bishop. So you probably maybe a four threat Hawkeye with a leadership ability. Um and then Kate Bishop as a, you know, as a three or four threat. Um and potentially that that Hawkeye could be the West Coast Avengers leader for sure.
0: God, I hope so. Because I already have the white uh vision and um with moon night coming. Oh
1: yeah, it's great. It's great.
0: Yes. Well, Nick, I have to take the time. I have to say thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It has been great just to talk about Marvel Crisis Protocol with someone who's as excited about it as I am, um, guys. I know this is probably going into a little bit more detail than we usually do with this a uh, general overview of a game. Um, so thank you for bearing with us. But guys, if you haven't checked out Marvel Crisis Protocol. I I think what we've tried to do today is to talk about some of the reasons why people didn't like it when it first dropped or some of the criticisms of the game. It's definitely worth a look. Uh, It is so much fun to play. Uh, I highly recommend it and you can enjoy it casually. uh, Or if you want to dig in, you can enjoy it at a quote unquote higher level, but either way you're going to have a good game.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would recommend just jump in, just play. It's, and I think casual play, as much as I enjoy tournaments, that casual play across the kitchen table with your mates is the best way to play this game for sure.
0: Well, literally, that the last time we played was over a kitchen table. So I think that is a good segue to saying, Nick, thank you so much for taking the time of joining us today. And uh, I cannot wait till we can uh, have pizza and uh, throw buses at one another again and uh, just have a good time doing it.
1: Can't wait, brother. can't wait.
0: Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much to all those people who have messaged recently with all the well wishes hearing that Melbourne's been locked down again. Um, I know our brothers and sisters in Sydney are absolutely feeling the pinch at this moment as well. If you have any friends out Sydney way or New South Wales way, please send them our best because um, lockdown isn't easy and uh, we tend to do it fairly extreme down here in Australia. I think on that note, uh, if you have any questions or anything that you'd like to give us feedback for this episode, please message. My name is Brad. Um, you can reach me uh, by going to Cast Dice on Facebook, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. You are guaranteed a reply. And uh, I guess that just leaves one last thing. As our good buddy Casey always says, ladies and gentlemen, when you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are very cold. But more than anything else, we at Cast Ice hope that you are having fun. Stay safe out there, guys. Good night.